Hello and welcome back to What Do You Know For Sure podcast with me, Anne Hughes. In this week's episode, I am chatting with Marisa Devlin about the fact that she believes people buy people. Now, this was really funny to me and as you'll hear in the podcast, it's something that I actually say a lot too. Now, what's not said in here, but I think it's important to add, the day after we recorded it, Marisa got back in touch with me and said that what she wished she had said was so important to people buying people is that as you get a bit older and a bit more experienced, you learn that sometimes people don't buy you and that's also okay and I really resonate with that too. Really interesting conversation. I hope that you enjoy. Marisa, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Good morning, Anne. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. It is. As tell us a bit about you, Marisa, because we've never met before. No, we've not met, Anne. And as I say, lovely to be here. So I was the former owner and managing director of Enchanted Forest Nurseries. And I guess probably from where I sit just now, that pretty much has defined most of my life. My husband and I opened the nurseries in 2006 and we sold them in 2019. My background pretty much was that I was a primary teacher and I then moved into Coca-Cola as their education manager. And as you can imagine, working for a huge global brand, I was completely exposed to the world of marketing and all the rest of it. And I think that's probably what stood us in very good stead going into the nurseries. Mm-hmm. And I think for us, we were in business for all those years. And then 2019 comes, we sell up. And I have to say, I've got a 10-year-old daughter, but there was definitely part of me that that was like, you know, passing over a baby to somebody mm-hmm. else. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been quite quite the transition, shall we say. And really, it's just been about moving through that different journey of moving away from 24-7, 365 days a year in business, dealing with, you know, trying to find solutions all the time, firefighting quite a lot to a completely different pace of life. Mm -hmm. I can imagine. I can imagine, Marisa. So I know that you've been thinking about this because we've had this in the diary for a few days. Tell me, what do you know for sure? What do I know for sure? It's such a great question, isn't it? Yep. So I know for sure that people buy people. I firmly, firmly believe this. And I think that that probably came to me many, many years ago when I was at teacher training college. And I had a wonderful tutor called Cecile Dunn, who's now a lifelong friend of mine. She's now retired. And she was very much ahead of her time. She was very much about building relationships at all times and what I've learned through the years is if you build relationships whether it be with children in your care whether it be customers within your business then no matter what happens if you've got a level of relationship with people if there's a challenge there always seems to be a way of getting around that challenge and it's much much easier when you've got a relationship And I think that when people adopt a kind of going the extra mile attitude, Mm -hmm. then it's so much easier to follow that philosophy of people buying people and that connection that comes with any form of business when there's a relationship at the core of that. 
Yeah, and you know, anybody who, who knows me or has worked with me that's listening to this will be giggling just now because this is something I say all the time as well. Because I, my career has been as a fundraiser in the third sector. And whenever I'm mentoring, training fundraisers or anything, I'm always telling them, People buy people. They will buy me every day of the week before they buy what I'm trying to sell them. So it's not about trying to sell them something. It's about getting to know them and being interested in them and building a relationship with them. And then, like you say, they will go the extra mile for me. And so I don't know when I realised that or who told me, if I'm honest, Marisa, but I really agree that it's such an important thing. If you were to reflect on your life, when do you think it has been most apparent for you? So I think, we opened our first nursery in Erskine in 2006 mm-hmm. and I was really, really confident and I had such a huge belief that the nursery was going to be successful. Yeah. What I didn't have was any customers mm. and I always remember that when we were doing up the nursery, you can imagine back then, you know, with your first setting that budget's your first business. We had uh-huh. no idea what we were doing. So budgets were very, very tight. But I was so, so focused on the first impressions of every customer who walked through the door being the families with their children. Mm. And we had our first open day on a Saturday. And back in the day, there was no social media. So we pounded the streets with the leaflets and all the rest of it. And I always remember that day that my absolute focus was ensuring that I did the basics, so I would be down on my knees chatting to the children, but I would be making sure that in my relationship building immediately with parents was crucial to their decision making because what was always in my mind was how are these people going to trust in me Mm. and in the very, very beginnings of a staff team who had no reputation and they knew nothing about us. Mm -hmm. So that's when I learned very quickly that following that day we got lots of people signing up and handing in application forms and it absolutely was about people buying people it wasn't about the building it wasn't about the reputation because we didn't have one it was about how did we and myself make people feel Mm -hmm. and I think it's so interesting because I often reflect that before I can know what it is I'm going to tell them about for, in my case, the organisation that they're the charitable cause, I need to understand what part, what motivates them in life, what's important to them. And once I understand what's important to them, then I know how I can build the relationship and bring them further along on that. So has that been similar to your journey on this as well? It's about really understanding people. Yes, and I think if you then look at the business, we've got other businesses now as well that involve people. I think there's certain aspects that you can train in. Mm -hmm. I think changing anybody's personality is very, very difficult. So from the very early days, we were very, very conscious that as we were growing a bigger and bigger staff team, then that people buying people aspect was not just always about me. So therefore we had to understand and it was predominantly young females actually mm-hmm. the majority of our staff team you know it was a female dominated business and we very quickly realized that we had a lot of young people who were coming into our business who had low self-esteem yeah. who had personal challenges in their life so we pretty much internally went on a mission to work with the individual staff members mm-hmm. collectively and individually about empowering them 
about making them feel good about themselves, about delivering self-development training that was absolutely nothing about childcare. Mm -hmm. So that then transpired into having a direct impact on customer care. And it was there to be seen. And what a great adventure that must have been for the people that were coming to work with you, for your employer to actually take an interest. I mean, I think like the culture, workplace culture, it's such a buzzword just now, but I think really, really apparent, especially with most sectors not being able to recruit the people they need. It's so important that you get that right, isn't it? And it'd be interesting to know if the folk that, that did that with you, how that affected their job moves in the future and stuff like that. Have you ever been able to reflect on that with any of them? Yeah, I mean, we've been very, very lucky in the sense that we ran a modern apprenticeship programme. And throughout that programme, I think one of the things that we learned very quickly was that if we could grow effectively homegrown talent Mm -hmm. then they would role model the types of behaviours that we were talking about and so therefore when we ran apprenticeship programmes we had huge examples of staff team members who effectively just grew through the ranks and became you know qualified they then retained full-time employment and some of them even went on to be managers within our settings and I think one of the the greatest, you know, advocates is it's a very, very high, highly regulated industry. And we've got many, many team members who now work for the care inspectorate and they are oh, out wow. and they're inspecting other nurseries. And I've got, you know, pretty much staff team members who are now lecturing at colleges and things like that. So there's been a great journey for people. And, you know, I would always hope that that was a wee bit of a legacy that we left that, People did feel empowered. And also, I think it's important that they felt empowered that they didn't have to stay with us forever. I think that was really important as well. Uh I mean, you must be quite proud, I'm assuming, that the people that you nurtured within your business then go on and have got such important roles. You know, as you say, it's very highly regulated. And they're now inspecting other nurseries and seeing if other nurseries are meeting the right standard and all that. Do you get a lot of pride from that? Do you know, it's funny because... I don't even think about it that way because my philosophy was always about, you know, we were always about being the best that we could be. We were only as good as our last day. So therefore, in terms of our people, I think we probably just shared in their journey. It wasn't really about internal pride, if that makes sense. Uh We were just glad that, you know, they were getting on. And the other thing that we always thought about pretty much every night the challenge of having your own business is, you know, when you put your head in the pillow every night, you were thinking about the level of, of staff team that you had and how they were paying their bills and mm-hmm. how they were paying their mortgages and everything. Mm-hmm. And I think when you then see people getting on and doing really well, you're just pleased for them, yeah. pleased for their journey. Uh-huh. So you sold the business in 2019. I mean, I hope you didn't let all of that in that culture that you had nurtured just like all land and you just stopped working. What did you do next? You know, what's how did you take this forward? It's really interesting because you've got plans in your mind and Bernie, my husband and I chatted for a very long time. It was a confidential sale, so it was quite challenging in the lead up because our, you know, we were very, very close to our staff team. We had a wonderful central team and we couldn't discuss it at all. So it was literally within 24 hours we were exited out of the business. So Uh, it genuinely was like grieving, uh, I have to say. So our plan was that we were going to take two years out and I think we were maybe two months in and very quickly realised that when you have that entrepreneurial spirit, oh. taking two years out is just never going to happen. Mm-hmm. So 
we already owned a coffee shop, the Cove in Gurok. So what we did at that point was we thought, okay, we've had this coffee shop for a couple of years. Our priority had always been the nurseries. So we started to really focus on that business. We rebranded it. We renovated internally and really, really and truly started trying to bring the philosophy of the nurseries into the coffee shop in terms of customer care. And I would say that's working really, really well in that we get reviews all of the time about the friendliness and the kindness Mm -hmm. of the staff team, which is all we can ask for. And we also then kept thinking about okay where does this journey now go and we've always traveled always traveled and loved travel so what we did was we've bought a couple of apartments um in the grounds of Glen Eagles Mm -hmm. and what we've tried to do there is offer something to people who are traveling that is a bit of a retreat and it's slightly away from the hotel but you can still access you know the glorious playground as they call it but at a slightly reduced cost and it's much more affordable. So it's much more accessible for people. But we've tried to make it as high end as possible so that people get that real luxury feel. And again, in terms of people buying people, our guests never ever meet us. But I try and communicate as much as I possibly can with them pre-stay so that they do get a sense. And we've got, you know, welcome packs and all the rest of it that I actually talk about you know, my husband, Bernie and Roisin and I to give people a sense of who is it that's actually behind these apartments. And mm. I think that's really important as well. And what impact um, do you think it's had? You know, you talked about you, you've got a 10-year-old daughter. You know, it, interesting for her to be raised with that being a priority about... Because it is ultimately, isn't it, about being kind, having compassion, you know, meet people where they are is another one I always say, not where you want them to be or where you think they are, meet them where they're actually at. Do you think that has impacted her a lot as she's growing up? Well, I think she is a a definite split of Bernie and I, and she is extremely, extremely strong-willed. And what I would say is, the biggest thing for us is, you know, she does well at school, but she very, very, very regularly comes in with awards for compassion and kindness. Lovely. And see, at the end of the day, that's all I can ask for. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So what's next? Do you think this will always be important to you, Marisa? So what I did was we were obviously forced into the lockdown yeah. and then that kind of, you know, that's where we did have to take a break because uh-huh. at that point we were coming into 2020 and we were only six months out of selling the business. Mm -hmm. So I was then, I actually really struggled with, I felt that I was defined by the nursery. So I I struggled a little bit about where do I fit? You know, that whole thing about job title and, you know, I used to be a managing director and who am I now and what do I do? Am I just a mum, you know, and the mum's obviously a hugely important job. But so I I struggled quite a wee bit with that and I, I played about with, various business ideas and then suddenly realised that I'd spent all these years opening nurseries and every time I walked into a blank space I could immediately see how that space was going to look on the day that that nursery was going to open and I thought designed all of these spaces for years with the help of obviously contractors so I did a diploma in interior design during lockdown and again the whole people buying people aspect came back in very quickly because after I'd finished my studying, I launched it in January 2020. And my first client that contacted me owned an estate agency and she was about to move office 
in Gourock. She asked me to design her office. And that was about us in the background building up a relationship on social media. Uh-huh. So by the time I actually met this client, we felt like we knew each other. Yeah. She felt like she had a relationship with me. And that really kick-started Devlin Interior Design. Uh-huh. And if there is any business that is about people buying people, that's one of them. Because you're walking into people's houses. People are trusting you to make choices about the place that they live. Now, sometimes they work in it and where their families are growing up, growing up in. So... That's been absolutely fantastic. And yeah, I'm just really grateful that I've got something that I can focus on. But I'm also conscious of the fact that it's not the 24-7 any longer. I can effectively pick and choose my hours. I can support Roisin and everything that she's doing. And also, I I would say I've probably taken a slight step back because Bernie very much supported Enchanted Forest Nurseries. It was never his dream, but he came into the business and I would say that step back for me now is about saying, okay, he's on a journey. You yeah. know, how do I support that? Mm-hmm. And see, I know you, you spoke about the, the mentor that told you that at one point in your life. Do you have real gratitude for, for that? That if you had if she hadn't said it, maybe life would have been different? I actually think about it a lot because, you know, we, we still keep in touch just in our late 70s now and I think I've always came from a place from gratitude and I think it's really, really important. I think I was listening to a podcast the other day and they're now talking about the scientific basis of the kindness hormone. And yeah. I just firmly believe that. I firmly believe it's something that does make a difference. I think kindness and gratitude is absolutely contagious. I don't mm-hmm. think it's something that is necessarily spoken about as often as it should be in terms of the benefits. I think sometimes people think... It's a bit glittery and woolly. Mm-hmm. I actually, I firmly believe it. I live my life by it. And yeah. yeah, Cecile, back in the day, she still lives her life in exactly that way. She's had many challenges with her husband dying and she still lives on a daily basis talking about gratitude. And I think that's absolutely how I live mine. Yeah, and you know, I, I would totally agree that's how I live mine. And quite often when I'm doing something or whatever and people will maybe say to me, oh, why do you do that? You're just, you know, why are you doing that? And I'm like, it's actually not a, overly about the other person. It's about me and how I want to show up in the world. It's about the kind of person I want to be and about the kind of person I hope other people could be. So it's not actually, for me, it's not actually about when I have kindness to people. It's also about me, isn't it? Because it's about who do I want to be in the world? I want to be somebody that's kind to folk. I think it's as you show up in the world, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, what do you want to show up and who do you want to show up as? And I think kindness is twofold. So it's about how it makes you feel internally by behaving in a particular yep. way. And also the knowledge that if you are kind, how does that make somebody else feel? And you, and I always think no matter what's happening in life, you don't, you just don't know what's happening behind the closed doors of exactly. somebody else's life. So that random act of kindness or any type of kindness, mm-hmm. it might just be the thing that transforms somebody's day. And I think, you know, mm. if you can do that, then do uh-huh. it. There's a Scottish author, and I think he's a scientist too, but called Dr. David Hamilton, and he writes a lot about kindness and he writes about how three people at least benefit because if I'm kind to you, then I benefit because I've got the feeling of it. You benefit because you've received the kindness, but actually so do those that witness the kindness. And I think like it's like a pebble in a, in a pond, isn't it? Because the effects of kindness are actually very, very far-reaching. It's it's so true. 
I've been listening to Dr Hamilton mm. recently and it's him that really he advocates the kindness hormone yeah. and you know I don't very very I actually don't talk about this because I do certain things and you just don't share it but I think this is a very good one to share just so that if somebody's listening to this podcast they may think about this the next time they're out mm-hmm. so if I go to Costa or McDonald's with drive through with Roisin sometimes what we do is we pay for the car behind us mm. and what I say to Roisin, don't look, you know, don't look behind you, but she always, you can imagine she's practically jumping out of her chair. But the look that you can see and looking in your rear mirror on the smile on someone's face. And also what's interesting is the look on the server's face when you say, can you pay for the car behind? But I always think, mm-hmm. okay, so what is the output of that? Is the output of that 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 person in that car or that server may just do that for someone else? Exactly. And it's that ripple effect, isn't it? Oh, I've just loved chatting to you. Marisa, thank you so much for getting in touch and coming on the podcast. Likewise, we're on the same wavelength, I think. We definitely are. Hello and thank you for joining me on this episode of What Do You Know For Sure podcast. If you would like to connect with me, you can do that across social media by searching and Hughes Ignite. If I refer to my radio show and the podcast, you can catch those on my Mixcloud. Again, just searching and Hughes Ignite. And if you or anybody you know want to answer this question with me, please do get in touch. Just go onto my website, anhughesignite.co.uk and fill in the contact page at the bottom and I'll be delighted to have this conversation with you too. Thank you.